Well, good morning. Thank you, um, Jeff. How good is it to have live music again? And such a fitting song for today's message. Um, Andrew actually stole the first little part of my message when he asked you to get your your Bibles ready. Um, But in case you missed it, we are in chapter 8. It is worth getting your Bible out or your Bible app out because there are some highlightable passages in um, the scriptures we're going to be looking at today. Um, So turn to chapter 8. We are going to kick off in verse 12. And don't worry if you're in there and you've noticed what we're uh, skipping, we will circle back. Um, But verse 12, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is Jesus' second I am statement in the book of John. There are seven all up. The first was, I am the bread of life. Then there's this one, I am the light of the world. There are five more, but if you want to find out what they are, you'll either have to tune in in the following weeks or you can read ahead. It's completely up to you. But these I am statements are revelations from Jesus that he is the promised Messiah that Israel has been waiting for. Um, Jesus makes this statement during the festival of the tabernacles which Jeff covered last week. But in case you missed it, it's the Jewish festival that remembers and commemorates the Israelites wandering in the desert. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he's referring to the pillar of fire that the Israelites followed while in the desert. We can read about this in Exodus 13. You don't need to turn there, we'll just pop it up on the screen. The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night and the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. That's Exodus 13, 21 to 22. Jesus is declaring, the pillar is back and I am he. He is saying, I am the pillar of light that guided your ancestors out of the wilderness and I am here to guide you out of darkness. Follow me. I am the very same light that enabled your ancestors to flee from their oppressors through the darkness, literally the light that saved their lives, the light of life. Now, Jesus came to earth at a time when the Jewish people had lost their way. They did this many times. If you read the Old Testament, you will see this. Um, But they had lost sight of the light. Even though God had never left them, they turned away from him. They were no longer following and they didn't recognise him. And Jesus calls them on this in verse 19. You don't recognise me because you don't know or recognise my father. The Jews had held on to their culture, maintained their traditions, and some of them may have tried their best to uphold the law of Moses, but they had lost sight of who God was. God as their father, as their creator, 
the very one to lead their ancestors out of Egypt, through the wilderness and into the promised land. The very God who chose them to be his people. And in doing so, in forgetting to follow God, they failed their mission. God's desire for Israel was that they would go and teach others about him. Israel was to be a nation of priests, prophets and missionaries to teach the world. God's intent was for Israel to be a distinct people, a nation who pointed others towards God and his promised provision of a saviour. You see, the thing about following something is that you need to keep your eyes on it. When you take your eyes off something, it's easy to lose or it's easy to get lost. Kind of like a toddler who runs off in a shopping centre. (laughs) But Jesus entered the world because the world had lost sight of God and it was lost. Jesus came to point the way back to God, to reconcile God and people. He came not only to show us the way back to God, but to be the way back. He says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. The light of life that Jesus talks about is the revelation of himself, a deep revelation in believers that I can't say it more succinct than John 3, 16 and 17, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believed in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save it through him. Jesus came to model the character of God, to show us how much God loves us and wants to be reconciled with us and that he forgives us for losing sight of him and for embracing sin. He teaches that this forgiveness is freely available to anyone who believes. If we believe in Jesus, we have the light of life in us. While this gift of mercy and forgiveness was freely given to us, we have a responsibility. And that is to share with the people around us the hope and life that that light brings. It's the same mission the Israelites were given. Jesus reminds them of this mission in Matthew um, chapter 5, 14 to 16, when he says, You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp, then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Now, the message translation calls us light bearers. What what a mission. But thankfully we are not 
blindly on this mission. We're not going with no roadmap. We have a solid strategy, and that is the example of Jesus' life. He is our roadmap. We can see God's character, his heart for us, and his good news message throughout various interactions Jesus has with people throughout the Gospels. But one of the most <clears throat> sorry, compelling for me demonstrates that our mission um, of carrying the light in the life looks like. It demonstrates what it is to carry the light. And that is directly before um, verse 12. And that is um, chapter 1, verse 11. Check this out. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil. For whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, in adultery in the very act now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned but what sayest thou What sayest thou? He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. thine accusers. Hath no man condemned thee?
go and sing no more. take away so many lessons from that one interaction between Jesus and this woman. It's an excellent example of how we can carry the light into the world, into the worlds of broken people. This particular passage of scripture has been responsible for many aha moments and revelation in my journey. But before I share with you what God has shown me through this um, passage, I know that if there, are, if anyone out there who's like me is probably wondering, where is the guy? I know, that, I know you're out there. I know you're thinking it. Um, but it's not really pertinent to today's message. So, um, but do you know it bugs me too. And so we might um, touch on that in going deeper. So um, check that out later today. These verses, this interaction with Jesus and this woman, um, were one of the very first passages of scripture I encountered as a new believer. And they resonate with me very deeply. Um, I have been that woman in the dirt, exposed because of my sin. My sin looked different. But I have felt the weight and the magnitude of guilt and shame and self-loathing and condemnation. And it took me to a very dark place. It's Jesus' encounter with this woman that sparked hope inside of me that maybe, just maybe, God sees me the same way. Being open to that possibility brought about revolution, not revolution, a revelation of truth that God does see me the same way and he does not condemn me. I guess that revelation did start a revolution in my life because it opened up my life to hope. Something that I couldn't recall ever feeling. And this revelation is the light of life. And I experienced it in my own journey and we witness it here in this passage. Our example here to follow as light bearers is how Jesus responds to the woman. When we read this or when we watch this, between the lines we can see he responds by seeing a person first not the sin, a human being needing compassion, grace, mercy, kindness, and most of all, forgiveness. He offers her these things without judgment. His actions are the light of life, our example to follow. Jesus still addresses her sin. In verse 11, he says, I don't condemn you. I love it that he leads with that. But go, and from now on, sin no more. In other words, I don't condemn you. You are forgiven. Now go and change your life. 
The sin in our life matters. As believers, it matters because it creates a blockage or it puts up a wall that prevents us from bringing the light to the world. It takes our eyes away. But there is something we need to remember when it comes to dealing with sin, whether it's our sin or whether it's the sin of others. And that is that we need to see the person first. Our message first and foremost is that we, or they, are more than the worst thing they have ever done. They're actually more than the best thing they've ever done. Forgiveness and mercy is freely available. That is the message that we bring. Jesus didn't actually spend that much time talking about sin. He teaches more about healing and restoration through faith in him. It's only through revelation and conviction from God through his spirit that true repentance can happen. We cannot make this happen, not in our own lives and certainly not in the lives of others. It's only by the spirit. When it comes to others, it's not our mission or our responsibility to convict of sin. We simply need to point the way to Jesus and he will do the restorative work. Another way that this passage illustrates the light of life in action is through the journey of self-reflection that the Pharisees and the crowd went on when Jesus says in verse 7, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. The light exposes us which is why a lot of people don't like it. It forces us to examine ourselves, but in doing so, we can recognise that we have all sinned. We are all in need of redemption, and therefore, who are we to judge? Who are we to throw stones? I love Jesus' little reminder in Matthew chapter 7, and just quietly, I love how savage it sounds. Um, And why worry? (coughs) Sorry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you first can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. The Pharisees and the crowd had this revelation. You can tell by their reaction. It goes on to say in verse 9, But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Judgment is not part of our mission. Jesus is the example that we are to follow. And Jesus did not come to judge. In verse 15 of chapter 8, Jesus says... You judge according to the flesh, but I judge no one. And again, John 3.17, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. We're following Jesus' example, and he did not come to judge. There is a perception in the world that we are here to judge and condemn as Christians, as believers. And the reality of this perception hit home hard for me recently when somebody very dear to me, very close, 
who's without a faith, had to make a difficult decision and they chose not to tell me about it because they thought that I would not understand or support their decision. This cut me to the core. I was deeply saddened that because of my faith, they thought that I would judge them. I missed the opportunity to journey with them and speak hope and life into that situation in that moment, to bring light. But this missed opportunity led me on my own journey of self-reflection where I had to ask myself, what would I have done? How would I have responded if I had known at the time? Would I have thrown a stone? And quite frankly, I'm, I'm thankful that the moment has passed and with hindsight, I can reflect on what I would do now. The people around us, believers and non-believers alike, are making difficult choices and decisions every day. These are opportunities for us to journey with them, to bring the light of life to them and speak hope into their situation, not judgment. We need to follow the light, the example of Jesus, so we know when to put down our stones and to be the light. Our biggest obstacle we will face as light bearers is the reality that the world likes the darkness. It's too confronting and hard to step into the light. So we need to take the light to them. Meet them where they are at. Without judgment, without condemnation, but with humility and gentleness. Two things I really suck at. We are called to be God's people for the world, not a privilege for ourselves. Remembering that it is Jesus we are pointing people to, the true light of the world. And I just want to, just want to end with this. Please do not underestimate the significance of the light you carry. It can change lives. I am standing here today, both spiritually alive and physically alive, because one friend pointed me towards the light of Jesus, pointed me to this scripture about the woman and Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is alive. I thank you that it speaks to us. And I thank you that it brings light. I pray that as we go this week, that you will open our eyes to situations around us that could use your light. Help us to see people as you do. And Holy Spirit, lead us as we go on mission as light bearers for the world. We come to you with humble and grateful hearts. And we thank you that you chose to reveal your light to us. Amen.